This week on the Recruitment Flex, Indeed already pissing off SMBs with their changes to cost per applicant. Someone is getting fired at Google and wait to hear why. Crazy US job numbers, we have to talk about it. And some great tips on how to leverage chat GPT for recruitment. The recruitment flex starts right after these messages from our partners at Rectex. Shelly, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour, you are at the Recruitment Flex, the only place that you can listen to two people who think are experts talking about recruitment. Shelly, you're the expert. Well, I'm just here because of my really good looks. <laughs> well, okay, I agree with that. Oh, because it, it is a highlight of my week to see your handsome face. I don't know if we're doing this because we think we're experts. If we go back to the beginning, it was like, we talk about this stuff anyways. True. Like even last night you were shooting me these super interesting articles. Like it's just a genuine interest. So in other words, Shelly, we're losers yes. and have nothing no, else to talk about. Okay. We are not. We have a common interest and we find the same things to be fascinating. And we do a ton of research, you know, Shelley, and, and that's on top of our day jobs. Oh, well, exactly. Shelly, I think I started a little bit of a viral thing yesterday, not on purpose, I was going through my LinkedIn feed and I saw a feed from this lady called Aaron Craven complaining about what happened with Indeed. Basically, not knowing better, she posted that Indeed is ripping her off because they changed her CPA for SMB. Here is my assumption. She went in, saw all the warnings, but was so used to doing it the old way, set a budget of $15 a day, check back in five days because she's running a small business. And suddenly she got a $1,600 bill because they started charging by applicant. I know we talked about it on text yesterday and I agree with your point. Like it's not really Indy's fault in a lot of ways because I went through the process myself to see what it looks like. And as an SMB here in Canada, CPA is open and it's fairly clear, but I can see how people who are not in the industry would just fly by it. And I thought, who dislikes Indeed the most? So I sent it to Chad Sowash. He got so excited about it. I opened the internet first thing in the morning and I see Jan Tegs has that on his Twitter feed who has a ton of followers and I'm seeing it on every Facebook groups, this message from Aaron Craven. So it's kind of gone viral and I got to admit, I kind of love it. So we don't need to talk about it. Oh, Let's... I know you don't want to talk about it because you know, I'm right. No, you're not. Yeah. Really... You know, I'm right. Serge, let's just dial this back. First okay. of all, 
if a SMB has a credit card attached to their account and they have never spent more than $100, you know the limit on credit cards transactions for Indeed. It's 500. So somebody had to authorize it three times because they would have reached their limit because SMBs are limited per transaction on credit cards. Right or wrong? You're wrong. On Indeed. You're wrong. It doesn't stop the transaction. You are billed at every $500 increment, but it doesn't stop it. But it doesn't stop the billing. Okay. So then you tell me, and if you walked through the screens, like you just said you did, yeah. You tell me you would have to be not reading the screens and clicking through it and ignoring three different points in that transaction. Because what they did was they said, we'll pay $15 cost per applicant. Didn't set a limit on how many applicants. So you would have had to have literally declined three different spots to acknowledge that you know what you're buying. And the only clients in Canada that are SMBs that have cost per applicant received notification from Indeed saying, this is now an option. They were given the option, the instructions, and a notification. And so for this to happen, it meant they ignored all of it. But Shelly, Shelly, I did did get the email. You would have to be an idiot. No, 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 stop that. You would have to intentionally ignore those screens because it says very clearly the cost per applicant based on this and the number of applicants, it even tells you an estimated budget. So you would have to have said, I agree in two spots. You have to agree. So Shelly, I get your point. I'm signed up as a small business on Indeed. I got an email stating their changes in terms of service. And who actually opens those emails? No one. You're you No, I'm know. not talking about the change in service agreement. No. no, it's a separate email. So you're getting tons of email from Indeed, changes in terms of services and agreements. Where it really struck me in the same time frame, they got the same amount of candidates, but instead of paying 100, they paid 1600. That to me is the trigger point here, right? A lot of SMBs don't understand cost per click, even understanding $15 a budget that just seemed simple. It worked. They were happy with it. And now they're trying to understand cost per applicant. If you're not in the industry, you're running a business, you know how it is. If someone made a change, to my accounts payable software or my invoicing software that I'm charged per transaction, it wouldn't register till I get the bill. I've seen a lot of this on the internet. She is not the only examples. There's hundreds of them. I don't know. Honestly, somebody making money is somehow un-American. Oh, this no. Is, this is capitalism. They have a captured market. They paid for it. They built it. This is their platform. You don't have to use it. And yes, it's going to cost money. You know, I am very capitalistic. The one thing that I do not like, though, is monopolies. And it's definitely monopoly behavior that's happening. It's not good for the industry that there's one source that people go to. I'm never hoping Indeed goes away. That's not the case because I think they've done more for the industry than a lot of the job boards that came before them, like the Monster and the Career Builders. I like to see their market share drop significantly and bring in more players, more options, more innovation. That's the only thing I'm saying. Okay, but... let's, let's just ignore the part that you're 
responsible for another major job board. Okay. Well, let's just ignore the part that a big part of your business is indeed. So let's just ignore that as well. Yeah, but yeah. I want to talk about another monopoly. What? Google. Google mm. yesterday mm -hmm. released mm -hmm. their answer to chat GPT called BARD. And it's so fascinating, Shelly, because this whole world didn't exist three months ago. And now we are seeing the biggest companies in the world change their whole business model. And in just three months since this has been launched, they are at 100 million users, ChatGPT. 100 really? million users. Wow. And you remember my prediction. This is going to change the world. Oh, I remember. And, and I'm trending in the right way. When you're seeing all these companies change their approach. So... Just to give you a, an outlay, right now they're testing. They're opening it to a selected group of people to test. It's going to be available to the wider public in the very near future. And what Google's whole pitch is, yeah, chat GPT is great, but we are more conscious to make sure we deliver right answers. We're taking our time, which is kind of an excuse, like we're late to the game, but we're going to do a better job. I couldn't stop laughing when I saw this article this morning. In their ad, they actually prompted a question that it gave the wrong answer. So this went out to the market and Google lost 8% of their market cap today. Their market cap is $1.2 trillion. So that 8%, that marketing error they did, cost them $100 billion. Do you know what, Serge, and I've got nothing to base this on, but I don't think Google was caught off guard by ChatGPT because from what I've read, ChatGTP was under development for years. This was no secret. And we know Microsoft had openly invested initially in it as well. I really believe that Google's probably been working on something similar for a long time oh, I as well. I don't disagree with that, but I think they got caught surprised by chat. Well, just how quickly it caught fire. Exactly. You know, so it's been amazing to watch, but I don't think Google was behind the eight ball. I think they felt pressure to release something, right? Because your first comment back in December was Google is going to absolutely shit <laughs> when they see this. And I felt the same way. If it can give me the answers I'm looking for, how often am I now going to Google to say, you know, show me the top 10 restaurants in Calgary? Yeah. And right? see 30 like app ads that. and like right. 10 different links to exactly. click that are exactly. different. So yeah, it is time to change for Google. It really is. But as far as setting something out that's wrong, because it is ironic because they have always prided themselves in accuracy, right? So nobody I got fired today. Well, what I was thinking think? is they did the layoffs three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and they might have laid off the wrong person. <laughs> and now they're <laughs> like, here, you take this on. But I think what ChatGPT is doing is fantastic. What Microsoft, the partnership they build and how they're leveraging into Bing is going to be a game changer. I am thinking of using Bing and actually replacing Google because of that functionality. And the other thing, which I think this is brilliant, is Teams. Teams has taken on a massive market share for Microsoft, even though a lot of people would say Slack or Zoom is way better. But some of the features that are going to be added are fantastic with Teams. And it makes me think I want to switch to Teams. 
You can be in a call. It's automatically going to create a document after the call. Who said what? Summarize the call the minute that you hang up. Like that is a massive time suck for a lot of people. Everyone hates taking the notes, hates doing the follow-ups. If it's done automatically, we're talking about hours of saving. And I would switch just for that. But let's jump into this. Do you watch the Super Bowl, Shelly? I'm going to. Are oh you? my gosh. So I've heard some of the celebrities that are doing commercial endorsements. I'd watch just for that. There's going to be a Breaking Bad reunion. Yes, for corn chips uh, or something. I saw the commercial. Already. I know. It was like, I heard it on the news last night, but I loved the link you sent me. Oh my God. The Workday ad. The Workday ad. Every year, there's someone in the HR space that has it at. I think last year was Indeed. It was a Google for Jobs the year before. Mm-hmm. Workday actually came up with a really cool ad. I got to give them kudos because it's yes. funny. And they kind of go on the theme of rock stars. And they have all of these real rock stars like Ozzy Osbourne, Paul Stanley, or I think he's- Billy Stanley. Idol. Yeah, Billy Idol. All of these- Joan Jett. Being like, <laughs> People in an office saying, hey, you're a rock star. And the rock stars are popping up like, really? They're not rock stars. They're not rock stars. I'm a rock star. So brilliant. (laughs) Uh, You know what I hate is they're all released before Super Bowl, which is good for Canada because we don't get all these ads. Yeah. For a lot of people, they watch the Super Bowl to see the ads. I still think the best return on investment of advertising in the world is a Super Bowl ad. Think about all the eyeballs, all the conversation before and after. Probably uh, some of these ads cost fifty million to produce, like this workday one. But yeah. imagine the conversation, the talk. How many eyeballs are watching the Super Bowl and they're not turning away during their commercials? It's a great return investment. Yeah, this one was really well done. I'm excited to see some of them, and I'm glad they released them earlier because, like you say, the Canadian advertising standards takes them off and puts other ads in their place but our so. shitty like john's landscaping services ad or something. <laughs> oh god coming back home though to talk a bit about canada i just wanted to raise one thing that we have not seen in probably 20 years so during the pandemic and even towards the end of 2021 a lot of people were moving to atlantic canada They were originally from Newfoundland, Nova Scotia. They had come to Alberta. They'd come to Western Canada, grew their careers, sold their house and could buy an incredibly nice home in New Brunswick or Nova Scotia or Newfoundland. I know in the years that I worked for an oil and gas company, a lot of the employees were from Newfoundland and Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And they had even said back then that it is their life's goal to move back home. And Mm. that's where they will retire. And so if you can work remote, why not? You could have the home of your dreams and be around your family. So there was a global news article that said, "Uh uh-oh, it's heading back the other way. We have seen a spike of Ontario job seekers looking to other provinces for work. And I think a lot of it has to do with the housing prices in Ontario. I've seen news articles that talk about homes that would normally be in rough neighborhoods are now selling at a million dollars. And it's a bungalow that hasn't been renovated since 1962. And so now we're starting to see the shift going the other way. That is the number of people who are in Ontario looking for jobs in Alberta. Thoughts, Serge? 
well, first of other, all, yeah. I'm from Atlantic Canada and I moved out <laughs> west during the migration of no jobs the great in migration. Canada and Alberta just booming, right? And mm-hmm. then we saw that shift during the pandemic. We actually yeah. saw people moving out of Alberta and going back to East Coast, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, Alberta has been doing a really good campaign in Ontario, selling the virtues of more affordable housing, less tax, higher salaries, and the capability to work in tech companies remotely, which is more challenging in Ontario. And I'll tell you, I've lived in Ontario, I've lived in Atlantic Canada, and I've lived in Alberta and Calgary. There's a reason why it's the number three ranked city in the world for the most livable because of all those factors. And you're an hour away from, I would say, the most beautiful place in the world. When you look mm-hmm. at Banff, Lake Louise, it's really hard to match. I think other than the Swiss Alps, honestly, there's oh, no it's other nicer. It's nicer than yeah. the Swiss Alps. I've never been, but I'm just going to say it's nicer. <laughs> but yeah, no, no I'm not Swiss surprised by it because Alberta is yeah. such a better place to live than Ontario. Yeah, and I know sometimes the perception in Ontario is, is very redneck, it's very blue collar. It's not the mm-hmm. case. Obviously, it's not as diverse as Toronto, but extremely diverse and extremely young. And it's a beautiful looking city and you can get anywhere in 15, 20 minutes. Try doing that in Toronto. So I think we'll keep seeing that. Mm -hmm. But I want to jump into what's your tip of the week? Oh, okay. So finally, I've come up with one. I know since beginning of January, you've been great finding great tips of the week. So I did find one that I wanted to share. And it was on ere.net. Great source. Loved what it had to say. The tip of the week is this. If there's one thing that we would ask all TA leaders to do is get your friends to try and apply and you should apply for your own jobs at your company to know whether or not your application process is a nightmare. What was interesting about this article was they went on to say that most people, if they were to apply using a resume now, would they even get an interview? So you're, as an organization, still complaining and saying we're not getting quality applicants. Try applying for your own job and see if you would get an interview. Change change. the name or put your friend's name on there. That secret shopper approach. Understanding what it takes to apply. Oh, and by the way, do this all on your phone. Apply using your phone. And do your own check and balance. That is the challenge to our TA leaders out there is audit yourself. Just see how easy it is to get a job with your company. There's a couple key points there. The whole process. How many clicks are you taking before you can actually apply? How long it is? And I still go with the advice, get your CEO to do it. Because if you really want it to change, CEO Mm -hmm. will see it pretty quickly that it's bullshit or it's good either way. But I love the second advice that apply for a very similar job to you. Just change your resume, obviously, and see if your recruiters catch it. And if they do bring you forward to a hiring manager, is the hiring manager going to say, no way? It's really interesting to know exactly where our thought process is in the whole application. It's a great, great tip, Shelly. Thank you. Let's jump into the recruiting insights. And I have to talk about the US job numbers because we've been talking about layoffs. We've been talking about recession. So the job numbers in the US came out last week that the U.S. economy added more than half a million jobs in January. And what's fascinating, the analysts were saying that it would be around 197,000 jobs, which is more than double what was predicted. 
mm-hmm. in an environment that the only news that we see is layoffs and the recession, but the labor economy is just rolling and rolling. And I think it talks a lot about, in my opinion, the impact of talent scarcity in roles that we do on a daily basis. I'm talking about skilled trades. I'm talking about nurses, talking about drivers, talking about retail. There's mm-hmm. going to be a scarcity for those roles, no matter what the economy is in the next five to 10 years. So I don't think we are going to see a dramatic increase in the unemployment rate. In the U.S., it sits at 3.4%. That is the lowest level on record since 1969. Great year, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> it is. What was your and take I- on this? So I'm not surprised. And I did have a little bit of a heads up on it because I had joined the AppCast labor market trends, which is a little bit of a hint and teaser. Andrew Flowers, who I love and adore. He Shelly, he's going to be on the show. It's coming why up. Why did you take this thunder from me? I was going to just say that. Oh, well, that's what Where I do. Where do you think I was going with this? I'll, I'll shut up. Sorry. I said... <laughs> No, shut up. I'll no, shut yes. up. You're right. So yes, Andrew Flowers, who is a labor economist with AppCast and now Stepstone, he walked us through what is happening in the labor market. He's so great. And yes, a little bit of a teaser because yeah, we are going to have him on the show because AppCast has released their talent report and it's fantastic. One of the things he talked about is understanding whether it's America or Canada, when they're reporting on unemployment rates and labor trends, we have to understand something called labor participation rates. And what is the age group of within what is being measured? And what's also important is to understand vacant positions. If you're adding half a million jobs, yet your labor participation, what percentage of that has increased? Because it's 25 to 54 year olds. And we know what happened a few years ago with immigration. So they're in a bit of a tough spot. They really are. And so what I love about Andrew is he explains this in such a simple, crisp, anyone can follow along, understanding what does this really mean for us in talent acquisition? You're bang on. And I think it's going to happen in Canada. We haven't seen the jobs number come out in Canada yet, but I think it's a very similar trend. Like the talent scarcity, everything is the same in Canada. Our participation rates are high, our unemployment are low, still a ton of jobs out there, but there's still layoffs here too. The dynamic that we're seeing in the US is going to be very similar to Canada. Can't wait to see those job numbers. But the market is telling us very clearly that- It's a worker's market. It's a worker's market that hasn't changed. Unfortunately- because obviously on LinkedIn, we're connected to a lot of talent acquisition people. I keep seeing layoffs or recruiters on a daily basis, which makes me a little bit worried for our friends in talent acquisition and recruitment. Andrew did talk about that. Did he, and I yeah. know he'll talk when he comes on our show as well, because according to labor data, and he's an economist, this is what he does. It is very concentrated in the tech sector only. Yeah, He calls it a market correction. Because what he said was there is no data, there is no evidence from any other industry about this recession impacting directly to layoffs. He actually used the term, this is not a contagion to other industries. It is very concentrated in one industry only. And a lot of those people are finding work 
in under 30 days. So they're not filing for unemployment insurance because they're working again Yeah, already. Well, and to your point, tech is 3% of the whole labor market in the US. It's a mm-hmm. tiny, tiny piece. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, just because the brands are so well known that yes, we see- Yes, a lot of hand wringing. But also, as we've talked about, recruiters are canary in the coal mines. They're getting laid off first. They will get hired first. And it's going to be a continuous circle of people not knowing the company, the industry, and probably being pretty bad at their job initially. It's just such a vicious circle. Please try to keep your recruitment team. But what's the next recruitment insight, Shelly? Home Depot has been in the news a lot. For various reasons, they have announced that they will pay employees to the minute. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever worked at a job surge where you had to punch a time clock, but you were only rounded up to the closest 15 minutes? Never by the minute. Do you remember how it felt to have to punch a clock when you start your shift and when you end it? It's been a long time, Shelly, but yes. And I try to screw the system all the time, to be honest. It's cool that they have technology that they can pay an employee for every minute that you have worked. But I've also worked in corporate cultures and seen clients who have time clocks and have people punch in and out. And somebody looking at your time card that you punched in at 9.01 and work starts at 9. I became very concerned when I think about the culture that creates within an organization, when you're watching me by the minute. Home Depot has been such a dominant player in the home improvements industry. They've struggled to fill a lot of their roles, certainly here in Canada. They've invested very heavily in their employer brand. And I wonder, even though they think this is a good thing, my prediction would be that this is going to have the reverse effect on their culture to pay people by the minute. What are your thoughts? Like, How do you feel about it? Well, Home Depot's whole attraction plan was based on people that have retired and are looking for shifts. They're handy and they love talking to people. And there's a big portion of their workforce, even going to the local store that you see that are past retirement age, but they love doing this, right? They're usually very experienced, very knowledgeable. They've been in the corporate world. They've done regular jobs for a long time. And I would think it's a little bit insulting for them to be like, hey, we're going to measure you by the minute. If you clock out at 8.59, we're not paying you to nine. We're going to deduct that minute. Exactly. I I agree with you. I think it's going to have a negative effect. Probably a lot more companies already do this. And I'm thinking in manufacturing, this is probably already a common occurrence. Home Depot rolling it out just because of the brand is obviously giving it more awareness. I don't know. It is the killer of discretionary effort. Yes. Yeah. Especially in those types of roles, there's so many opportunities for someone to go work somewhere else because everyone is struggling for the same type of talent. So why give yourself a disadvantage? Do you want to jump into the next recruitment insight? And again, we're going to talk about chat GPT. I've seen a lot of articles and different discussions on how Mm -hmm. to use Mm -hmm. chat GPT for recruitment. A lot of it is bad advice, like for your job ads. Maybe you create the outline of a job description, but you shouldn't be using a job ads unless you're going in and adjusting what it said. But there were some killer ones in here. They listed 17 of them. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really good idea. I will pick number seven, creating Boolean search strings to look for candidates. Mm. 
I've always had a hard time figuring out Boolean search strings, even though I know how to use it. It's still a pain in the ass. It automatically does it for you. You can just put it on Google or wherever you're searching your ATS and it finds the right candidates that match that. To me, is a massive time saver and it's really great for junior recruiters or someone going into sourcing. It will help them learn a lot quicker, in my opinion. That was the one that really jumped at me. It's a really mm -hmm. basic one. Can I give you another one? Oh, thought, if you must. <laughs> the other one that I like is creating candidate summaries. One of the things that mm -hmm. I do a lot when I'm dealing with a client, I'm going to take his resume and highlight the key points in a document that I send to the hiring manager. This does it for me. What a massive time saver. And how much more professional do you look if you're giving candidate summaries to your hiring manager compared to like, here's the resume. Which one hit at you, Shelly? I love the, both of those. Even the time that it takes you to type in, going back to your example on creating the Boolean search string, it can do it faster. Even if you were an expert, you can't type that fast. No. <laughs> so it is, it's an incredible efficiency in managing your time. I liked point number 15. Certainly for those recruiters that are early career, we talk about this all the time. When you've got a hiring manager that has an unrealistic expectation. Asking chat GTP to create a dialogue to help a recruiter deal with a hiring manager's unrealistic expectations. If that's all that you asked it, that's all you're going to get back. It was so basic. It was almost like reading a conversation that would happen between somebody who's got six months as a recruiter trying to have this conversation with a hiring manager. Even though they're not your customers, they're your partners, they still ultimately need to live with whoever we bring to the table, yeah. especially when we're talking about negotiating qualifications, right? Whereas this example, taking that very basic idea of help me create a, a good dialogue between the hiring manager and myself. And the example that they gave was to say specifically to chat GTP, help me create an adjusted dialogue where we're able to show why a hiring manager's requirements for you know certain years of experience in a certain industry sector. And what does that really mean in the labor market that we are trying to attract these people in? It just elevated the conversation. For example, you've got somebody looking for a product manager and they want somebody with 10 years of experience. Well, what does that realistically look like? Say in this market, there may only be 500 product managers. And of those 500 product managers that have 10 years, there's only 10 people. So yeah. our chances of finding someone who's willing to make a move that has 10 years of experience based on what is available in the market, it just elevates your conversation. It takes you from just simply saying, yes, okay, 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 to, well, let's really think this through. Of the 10 people in the market that have 10 years of experience based on the salary we're offering, none of them are going to make a move. Yeah, I think that insight is fantastic. And I, what I love about that too, it helps you train how to have those conversations in the future as well. Because if you don't know, you don't know. And this gives you a really good guideline and obviously creates a dialogue word by word. Don't follow the word by word because it sounds like a robot, but I think it gives you the right questions to ask. So bang on. Was there another one, Shelly? No, that was the one that stood out to me. I want to drop one last one. 
So one okay. is explaining technical jargon and why mm. that's important is I spent most of my career in tech recruitment and I got to yeah. admit, I didn't know 90% of what the fuck they were talking about most of the time. And I would Google, what is this? Having a clear explanation of, hey, ChatGPT, what is Python in layman's terms so I can understand it and communicate it to my hiring managers or seem like I know what the hell I'm talking about? But you do really- then. You do understand what you're talking about once somebody's explained it to you. Well, exactly. Right? It gives you it lends a quick, your credibility. Way. Yeah, it definitely helps. So another fantastic episode, Shelly. This was lots of fun. Next week, I am going to be recording from Moncton, New Brunswick. So we'll be on other parts of the country. Again, to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. And Shelly, I appreciate you. Well, geez, thanks, Serge. I appreciate all our listeners as well. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Shelly, you know how much I love programmatic advertising for recruitment. It saves so much time and effort in trying to figure out where I can get maximum exposure and value in advertising my jobs. Yeah, for sure. It is a game changer. And you know who I love too is AppCast. They are the leading programmatic job advertising platform that helps you reach the right candidates fast. Definitely. AppCast advanced targeting and real-time optimization technologies make sure that your job ads are seen by the most qualified candidate. Plus, they have a team of experts that's always there to support you and make sure you get the best results. It's so true, right? AppCast has just got the nicest people on staff. They're just a pleasure to work with. And tracking your job's performance in real time is the other big plus. Being able to see exactly what's happening, what's driving the applications, where they're coming for. And at the end of the day, it's about making hires. And where else can you expand your reach across 30,000 sites? Your candidates are everywhere online with AppCast. Your jobs will be too. So check them out at appcast.io. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 